everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Welcome to the Counter Show, our first show of 2021, and it's also our 80th episode. Woohoo! What do you think about that, Keith? How are you this morning? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jay. Yeah. Welcome in. How was your? Uh, how was everything, man? Good. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. Yeah. Still, good, still around. Still yeah, around. Still, here still for breathing. Now. For now. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is about this new year. You know, usually bringing in a new year, you kind of just feel like, you know, which by the way, this is the first show of the new year. We've already had a show air in the new year, but that this was, is number 80 in, yep. in, in terms of podcast release yeah. episodes, uh, I think, including the live ones that we've done. Yeah, that's it, man. Yes, yeah, which is great. That's a, what a milestone, man. We we've we have um, we have achieved some things that a lot of people uh, struggle to get to. And um, uh, hey, it'll never work eh. out, Jay. It's it'll, just a flash no. in the pan. Just a flash in the pan. Would you please stop that hobby? What are you doing? You're wasting money. You're wasting man, time. What are you doing? Eighty podcasts and who knows how many videos. And oh, uh, we've definitely learned a lot. Um, did, did, did you, when we started this, did you have any idea the amount of, of, of actual work required to produce what we produce? No. Do you, and you and I have had this conversation before. (laughs) Do you regret any of it? No. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a new day every day. I'm learning something new every day and it's, um, it's a good way to challenge the brain uh and um it's certainly fun it's artistic it's it's creative it's it's just everything and what's what's really cool and i and i know you're getting it too keith is the support that i have from my family and friends they really enjoy it and um you know thank you guys for listening and thank you for all the support we really appreciate that well you just hit a record button and then you just hit a publish podcast button, right? I mean that's how that's, we do this, right? It's all it's, it's all, all it takes, do, right? It's all we t- yeah, it's all it takes. So speaking of uh, you know, how many <laughs> videos, I think we're in the, I don't know, close to two hundred or more. Is that right? On our channel. Yeah, I've been checking know. that out. Um yeah, we're up there. We've got a lot of subscribers, man. I mean, we've grown exponentially just in the past six months. Um, you know, we've we've really worked hard at trying to uh, bring you guys good content. And speaking of that, just head on over to youtube.com forward slash parts kind of guru. Uh, give us a subscription there and a like and ring the bell. That way, when we do put videos out, you guys will be notified immediately. You can check it out and watch it and give us some love. Share with a friend. Tell them to subscribe. You know the routine, guys. Come on. Help us you out. You know, all right? this is happening, and I never anticipated this. I've seen it happen to other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've probably had this experience where somebody will say, "Do you remember the show with the uh, you know thing <laughs> that you did where you talked about the uh, car stereos and the and 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 I'm looking at them and I'm and I'm going like what I, uh. we did? Yeah, man, you you t- you said like these things and you did and I went, oh, oh I okay. don't you know." <laughs> Right, man. What? I mean, I, I, I get that. I get that too. Um, you know, my brother-in-law, um, who, you know, he's he's hard to get. You know, you know, it's hard to get him interested in in anything other than sports and music. Which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he's he's grew up as an athlete. 
very good athlete. He's a great musician and singer. Matter of fact, him and my wife were basically one of the best duets, you know, and they still to this day, they get together and sing along and, and have those sorts of things. But he really, really liked our, our podcast on the, uh, the RV lifestyle and some of the RV stuff we talked about. So what I like about what we do, and for those of you who are just joining us who have never listened to one of our podcasts, and if you haven't, then you need to go all the way back and just start to finish and just really enjoy the growth and how we've really increased our content and expanded on that. But um, what we do for everybody, man, is we try to just get you information surrounding our industry, which is the automotive industry, the RV industry, the motorcycle, the EV, you know, that We're, sort of wait. thing. I yeah. signed up to do a gaming podcast. Nobody told oh, me. Nobody told me we were Which, doing this car stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and it and it's it's evolved. I mean, it, it's kind of evolved into what it is now. Um, we're 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 uh, we have a lot to talk about about everything. Um, you know, I might even pull out a cooking show on you guys, man. You never know. Yeah. You might catch me frying an egg on air. We'll see. I'm getting a new camera soon, so um, video camera soon. So we'll see where that takes me and um, how much more I can contribute to that aspect of it because uh, Keith has been definitely carrying the, the load there with the uh, the videos outside of our podcast. I just but, pushed the record button and then the publish to send it to the internet button. That's mm-hmm. it, man. That's, That's all, all you do. Yeah. That's all you do. So, all right, so we've got an exciting show. Uh, today, um, we obviously, before we get into our, our news segment. Uh, oh, it bonked me. Sorry. Did you? There you go. Oh, man. Sorry. Before we get into our news segment, um, let's talk about what we're doing on the show today. Um, we're very delighted to, we have a guest upcoming uh, a little bit later in the show, which will be our main segment after our news segments and stuff. Um uh, he is uh, a person uh, that works for the uh, RFA, which is the Renewable Fuels Association. Uh, his name is Robert White, and uh, we are happy to have him come on our show today to talk to us a little bit about what they do. He um, he's, he said self-proclaimed topic can be, do you remember this, can be a lightning rod. Yes. Okay. So just we just sure wanna, you heard that. I, I did, and this is a bit of a disclaimer that we're going to give here. Keith and I both, and we'll admit it, we are not fuel specialists at all. Um, we don't claim to be, uh, but we use fuel, and um, we hear the chatter out there about uh, ethanol and fuel and those sorts of things. But we kind of wanted to let the experts talk about it, um, have them on, and. Um, you know, share their expertise uh, in that field with us. Uh, so we're delighted to have him on uh, a little later. And um, I, it hope turns you guys out, enjoy that. you know, I, I think I, I knew a little bit more about fuel than I thought because it ties so closely into my love of alcohol, right? <laughs> hooch. Uh, like hooch. I just, what can you, I, there was a, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. There's some interesting correlations that happened. Uh, yes, as a result of our said, ab- uh, ab- absolutely. Exchange. It's, uh, it's a good. It's a good. Yeah. Um, it's a good. Uh, I think it's one of my. Actually, it's it's going to be in my top five favorite uh, segments. Really, I oh. think. 
so far. Oh boy, maybe you might remember maybe. This, this. That means when somebody goes, "Do you remember that time when you did that?" You'll remember this one because if it's in the top five, you hang yeah. on to those. I do remember yeah. this one. I mean, it's a it's a good one. So so anyway, <laughs> uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, just stay tuned and hang on, hang in there. Uh, we're gonna, you know, it's a good. It's a really, really good discussion. Um, we hope you enjoy it. We, 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 we have, we will, we did, um, we be, we, we what, we do what? Oh, Let's oh, just oh, do the okay. news. Yeah. Live from the counter show. All right. I have been leading us in a lot on news lately. So I am going to pull an executive decision on you. This is a crazy Ivan. And I'm going to make you go first. We're not playing uh, rock, paper, scissors, um, but I'm going to let you lead into this one today. Well, this sounds boring. All right. Uh, Hey, everybody. So I found a I found a news segment. And this was uh, near and dear to my heart for a couple reasons. And it has occurred to me that I've taken some digs at Apple quite a bit lately on this program. And I I want you all to understand, um, this is what some of our sports coaches told us in our younger years. I push you so hard because I want the best for you. Um, I'm watching a show on Netflix right now. I I started very late to the game, but it's called Umbrella Academy. Basically, this this guy, he's an adopted uh, father for some very talented, very gifted children. And he's very strict and tough on them. And uh, have you seen the show, Jay? I haven't, man. Yeah, you know so, me, dude. I'm not a. I, I just well, I, I watch like reruns. It's, of stuff, it's a it's know? a cult favorite, and so I let everybody make. I let everybody watch this stuff, grade it, you know, and oh, it's give the it, thumbs up, thumbs down, with this and then one. I, it's, it's been out okay. for a while. All right, but all right, but right. the 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 idea is, you know, he's such a stern man because he doesn't care so much about his relationship with them. He cares more about making them ready for the person that they will be in the world okay so that's sort of how i feel about apple and when i make these comments to apple where i'm 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 kind of just digging at them for you know lack of innovation it's because i expect better because i know they're capable of better because they have done better in the past oh absolutely it's just we this is a we could dedicate an entire podcast on our opinion about yeah. Apple and the direction that they have taken since the passing of Steve Jobs. And Indeed. We know that. So and I you know Tim Tim Cook seems like a nice guy. I mean I've never met mm-hmm. him, but uh, you know it's nothing personal as they say. So so Apple yeah, lost man. a copyright battle recently. Now this yeah. is a big deal for a couple reasons. It's a huge deal. And then the more you know about it and the more you learn about it, there are even more reasons underneath the surface. But um, oh there are know, layers that, and layers. If you challenge Apple, and it has happened several times in 2020, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and one of them was a pretty large game studio, Apple tends to just lawyer up and bury you. And so yeah. there's sort of the justice thing gets lost in terms of you know who's actually right because they'll just beat you with better lawyers, okay? Right. So right. Um, there's a company that just beat Apple, and they're, it's very much a David and Goliath, the company is called Corellium, and the concept of the lawsuit goes like this. And um, yeah. r- real quick, before you go into yep. the lawsuit, yep, this is a husband and wife small, small business. business. Yep, that's husband it. and this wife. Is, make sure that's clear to you guys. And this is what it you know to kind of go back on what Keith just said. 
Apple has that. They lawyer up. They've got deep pockets to be yeah. able to do that. So carry on, sir. Well, we all like the story <laughs> of the underdog. And right. um, so this company, uh, again, Carillium, they, they're, they're calling themselves a security research firm. And Apple sued them. Okay. Yeah. And they lost. And the reason that Apple sued them is because Apple Carillium, lost. A- Apple lost. Correct. Yep. Um, Apple did not like the fact that Carillium had designed mock-ups of Apple's mobile devices, like their iPads yeah. and iPhones, and I think virtual. even iPod Touches. Yeah. All virtual. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what that allowed security researchers to do because remember this is a security firm is right. you didn't have to go out and buy an iphone to, right. to run security tests against it you could run the virtual version of that meaning Which on your computer a mock-up of an right. iphone that Carillium would provide you okay right. so amanda gordon and her husband chris wade basically came up with this idea um and interestingly enough, they founded this company in 2017. So it's not that old of a company. Um, there was, you know, the, um, there was definitely a need. This was something that they saw an opportunity. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Sure. And all these software developers jumped on it because there are so many different Apple devices out there now. Right. That it's really, really prohibitive, not just from a cost standpoint, but from a, where am I going to keep all these things as a software developer every time I need to test one? I got to make sure it's charged up. I got to plug it in. I got to, do I have to have 25 different cell phone, cell phone plans to, you know, as an app developer right. for each, right? So it, it, it definitely filled a need. Okay. Now here's what's interesting to me about this. So, so the judge ruled that the creation of the iPhones was not a copyright infringement because they were virtual. There, there was no tangible item. It all existed on a computer screen, right? Right, right. But this is why I feel like Apple, um, it, it, I, they're disappointing me a little bit here because nobody bothered to mention the fact that Apple took notice of this company several years before they sued them and tried to buy them. So Apple themselves said, hey, we think this is a great idea. Or they thought it was good enough to want to buy the company. Right? Right. And then the the owners, uh, what is it, Amanda and Chris said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And Apple said, well, then we're going to sue you. So, right. Jay, if you try to buy a company, would you do that because you think what they offer is garbage? Oh, absolutely not. We know where that was going. So we Apple saw exactly a huge what, yeah. opportunity there. Absolutely, man. And they said, if we can't have it, nobody can have it. We're going to try to burn it to the ground. Yep. And this this ties into a lot of other things that these tech companies do, or like your Facebooks, your Googles, and those guys. There's so much stuff that goes on. This is why they, you know, they they wrap this stuff up in, into a ball and they hold on to it for dear life, and they say, you can't touch me, man. So what do they do when they have stuff like like this happen to them that poses somewhat of a threat, which actually, you know, we write to the right to repair thing. We, we've talked about that. Yeah, the so ability it, to be able to take your phone in to have it repaired. In this world, it's called fair use. And, you know, what right. we do a lot of times on YouTube falls under that fair use category because we mm-hmm. will 
take video segments that were released by Ford or GM or mm -hmm. Audi or you know whoever, and we will comment on them because that's what we ultimately do is we talk that's about our, stuff at the parts counter, right? Yeah, that's it. And and so they established their burden to prove that this fell under fair use, and mm -hmm. the court sided with them. I, I just have a problem with the whole um, bully situation. That That's just not... You know, for a company that really tries to talk a big ethical game, that's a pretty unethical move on a big right. scale. It, it is. It is. A uh, little bit of underhandedness there, I think. But remember, and we've said this before, Apple is trying more and more to become a service company, a services mm -hmm. company, and less of a hardware company. Because they recognize that the recurring revenue game in your Apple Pay, uh, you know, all the things, Apple TV... These are services, iTunes, uh, the movie rentals, on and on. They're getting a recurring revenue from you every month mm -hmm. from your Apple Music subscription. They're getting a recurring right. revenue from you every time you use that Apple credit card. Um, and that's what they're interested in because it's easy money. It they really don't have is. to be innovative. They can just... No stick their hand in the pot and and I, I know man i know i gotta quit they're you know they're they well, do make some good products you know this this yeah they do this comes on the heels of of the huge security issue that we just recently had the hack what was the name of the company solar winds or, or uh, whatever? solar winds was one of them yeah yeah, yeah. Now, that's more of a windows um microsoft right. had a big uh, breach as a result of that they, they exactly but you know what these guys are doing is you know they 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 develop this you know to kind of aid in that hacking process man this is the security side of it as well right. and you know i'm i i've been an iphone user since keith told me <laughs> 10 years ago dude you need right. an iphone and right and i i've i've loved them ever since but i'm start it's lo it's lost its luster from from several things security and um just the fact that they're not very innovative in what in what they offer they've got a lot you know there there are better phones out there than the iphone put it that way we know that um Keith, do, you don't even own iPhone anymore. Do I you? don't. Um, mine was based on there. There was a lot of factors, and there is no mm -hmm. perfect answer for everyone. In fact, we just my son and I just chose a, a phone for my wife for Christmas, and yeah. she's a photographer. Yeah, and you know, we literally had a checklist. You know, it's got to have good lenses in it. It's got to have good image processing, and then and sure. then some other stuff. So it, it's just everybody's different. Uh, Apple's still making good products. It's just that they're not the innovative products. Right. For example, like, yeah. Um, Google just released. I have a Pixel Four, if mm -hmm. you care, and and um, they just released a, a software update over the holidays. Now this is actually super innovative. Did I tell you about this? No. So it's called adaptive charging. Did you know, Jay, that oh, one of the worst did, things... You did send me an article on that. Okay. That's right. Yeah, go ahead. So this is the kind of thing normally Apple would come up with. Uh, right. Did you know that one of the worst things you can do to any rechargeable device that has a lithium-ion battery in it, like your phone, like your mm -hmm. iPad, your tablet, whatever, your, is to plug it in when you go to bed and leave it plugged right. in all night? Right. Because 
the charging system and a lot of these phones now it's rapid charging so it throws a lot of current at that phone it, it throws a lot of juice i should say at that phone very quickly and the batteries heat up right mm-hmm. and the reason for that is we need our phones fast we don't have time to wait for the charging process um n- there is no such thing as a free lunch in nature right so if you push more charge through to that phone more quickly there are, there are side effects it gets hotter it shortens the life. You know, we, we saw this with Tesla, where if you use those superchargers 15 times in, it's already starting to reduce the life expectancy of the battery. So, wow, okay. Okay, so adaptive charging, right? Yep. Um, Google figured out a way that if you have an alarm set on your phone uh, the next morning, mm-hmm. um, and then you go plug your phone in at bedtime... Right. It will use adaptive charging to slowly put your phone to 100% at the time the alarm goes off. Oh, wow. So it's more of like a trickle effect. It's a, it is. kind of like a trickle charge. the logic is if you're going to bed and your alarm mm. is set, you don't need to use that phone until True. you wake up, right? Yeah. So yeah. let's throttle the current. Let's throttle the charge rate that's going into the phone so that we don't cook that battery because the alternate to that is if you plug your phone in and it fast charges and it gets to 100% in say an hour mm-hmm. well the other 7 hours you're sleeping it's sitting there going 98% 100% 98% 100% 99 100 95 right. 100 9400 right. get it right so it just keeps hammering that battery and that's not good for the battery now i will say this that i my new um the new uh, iOS on my iPhone that I yeah. now have. Uh, let's see which version this is real quick. It's 37.14.10.25.2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, man. <laughs> let's see here. Are you about, about to tell me that you have this on your new new one? Um, I It's... it's yeah, it, but it's... what it, Here's what it, it just says, that it will be fully charged and... 10 hours or something okay yeah so it 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 throttles it too but it 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 doesn't it's not with an alarm it just kind of just does its own thing you know it's not like they've got some software okay yeah and that's the sort of thing that i would expect apple to come out with well ahead of everyone else right and here's what it does i i think it does it based on my habits okay because now this did not happen this did not happen until exactly this did not happen until i um downloaded this new software and so it is uh software it's it's ios 14 okay i'm on 14.2 so it did not happen in 13 i don't recall that um but yeah so but apple should have to be fair in my defense they should have done this three years ago well sure this is something new for them this is not i mean i've owned seriously i've never seen it before until now and and again, it, it's what's interesting about it though is that it doesn't do it throughout the day. So I can plug this thing in and, that, and just let nor it, and it'll it. supercharge yeah. it and everything right. Yeah. And then, um, which is good. Um, but like when I go to bed, say you know ten, eleven o'clock at night or whatever, and, and I plug it in, I'll get up in the middle of the night at say I don't know three a.m. Get a you know glass of water. And um, I just hit the phone, you know, yeah. just to see if I got a new subscriber or something on YouTube. But um, um, and then it, it says it'll be charged at like <laughs> like 5 a.m. or whatever. But anyway, it's, it's out there. But I, I get you. Yeah, I get you, man. Um, it's, uh, you know, what they're just, not in. A, they're not nearly as innovative as they used to be. I think, 
And I think that, you know, one of the things that, that excited you the most about Apple way back when, uh, when you were a an iPhone user, when we worked together, you know, in the office environment, um, was the fact that, you know, everybody was using BlackBerry. You know, yeah. BlackBerry was so, so secure and all this sort of stuff. And I get it. Um, but it it was it was an amazing feat for Apple to be able to have that Microsoft Exchange, to be able to have Outlook on your phone and and all they of were it was pushing huge, the man. envelope. It's the same reason that people were drawn to Tesla. It's pushing Absolutely. the envelope, you know. Yeah. And and with that, I will stop my beat up session on Apple. <laughs> well, let's go for a high note, man. You want to go for a high note? By all means, some, for some funny stuff, man. So. We've talked about this on several, several podcasts. I'm the funny guy. I'm, I'm the funny guy. I don't have any Apple tech stuff to talk about other than I'm an Apple. Hey, Apple. Sorry, man. I just use your stuff. I don't beat it up. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, we've talked about this in several podcasts, and there's been many sightings, man. But this Jetpack dude over LA, LAX. Well, he's been spotted again, but they got him on video this time, man. Um, and we'll. You know, we may, you might see him flying around here on our screen here. We don't know. You know, whatever. I think Keith can do that. But uh, uh, what it was, this was, um, gosh, this was like what? I just pushed the record button and then the send it to the internet button. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So so the headline was this. um, The unidentified flying man in L.A. has finally been caught on video soaring 3,000 feet above Palos Verde near Catalina Island with a jetpack. Wow, man. I mean, this yeah. guy's got a death wish. Well, I saw the video, and as you're looking at this video, and you notice, I mean, yeah. it's oh, I obvious it. yeah. this dude is high, man. Well, and, and you mean elevated, not like... <laughs> well, he could be high, high. I mean, he well, is in the state of California. Weed is legal out there, I think. I do remember on our podcast, believe it or not, I actually do remember this, that we talked about the current jetpack capabilities that we were aware of Right. Um, had a very limited flight time, and to mm-hmm. get up to three thousand feet, and then more right. importantly, to decelerate right. safely, the current jetpacks that we knew of didn't have that capability. He he couldn't get that high, so to speak. Right. Right. <laughs> How? And and this has been going on now for six months. Like this is yeah. this is some James Bond stuff, man. It is, and you, you, it's it's. What's baffling to me is that they, if you would figure, okay, if he, if this person is flying around in a jetpack at 3,000 feet, okay, and he's seen by a pilot and it is recorded on video, they have enough video. This is a flight school. Yeah, it's a flight school. Yeah. Um, Why is it that they can't scramble some sort of like, you know, military aircraft to go well, fi- figure out what the heck is going on. I, can, I know why. I can speculate on this. You want to go, oh, go I ahead? Too. I can I'm thinking it's military operations, my friend. Oh, interesting. That's not where I was going to go with it. Oh, where are you going to go with it? Well, okay, so radar... Um, radar can pick up a lot more than we typically allow it to. Um, Mm. We used to call it radar trash. And so you would get false readings or they're not actually false readings, but you're going to get that radio signal bounce back from objects that you don't, you don't want, right? Like structure. Give give an example, like for an example, birds, uh, small drones, you you can't pick it. Right. In theory, if you have your radar tuned properly, you would be able to pick all that up. 
But air traffic control doesn't want to see anything smaller than an airplane because it's going to clutter up their screens. It's too it's too confusing. It's too busy. Right. 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 Military radar. They don't typically anything smaller than an aircraft is not a threat. So they don't necessarily tune their radar to pick it up. Now, drones, that's a whole different story. They don't show up on radar. And for that very reason, the FAA is now mandating, um, and this really pisses me off, but we're going to get into another, this is a whole other podcast. They just came out with new rules that not only are you going to have to broadcast the location of the drone when you fly, but you're going to have to broadcast your location. Yeah, see, that's crazy. That's... that's, um and it has mm. to have a transmitter beacon on it. This is new, and it's coming, and it's because because the the people that are doing stupid stuff ruin it for all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. So yeah. this this jetpack guy, um, you know, we've said before that there's a there's a company that makes jetpacks yeah. in the area. Right. Um, they're saying that it's not them, but what I wonder is, is it one of their you know customers, right? Yeah, I you, guess. Or it could. like you said, military application. Could it be. could be. But you know what, though? It could be Tom Cruise up there, man. It could be Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, is, he 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 does all of his own stunts. He's a, he's a pilot. I mean, this guy, I mean, you've seen the Mission Impossible movies, right? It's amazing what this dude can do, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's Tom Cruise. Hey, Tom, come on out of the closet, pal. Let everybody know what you're doing uh, for this. You got this movie that's being filmed. And all this stuff is just, you know, fodder. It's just all the chatter stuff. Go- yeah, I get it, man. We got some blockbuster coming out after COVID. I get it. So anyway, but, you know, that's just my speculation on it. it, it it's, 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 it's been somebody, fun to watch. It's been a fun It has been fun mouse. to watch because nobody, yeah. knows, nobody knows how to deal with it. Um, it. You know, local police and the FBI and the Federal Aviation Administration, um, they have announced an investigation, uh, but that was back in September um you know it was a, again it was somebody flying above 3000 feet so that that's what baffles me is the fact well, that this guy has been caught on camera many times by by yeah. a pilot though this time that rate i think he radioed it in even and you know why do we not have anybody up in the air you know that's that's a little scary that's a little so, scary man you know and, and i was just reading the comments here which kind of echoed what we said in a previous podcast maybe they did listen to our podcast I For a person with a jetpack to get to uh, 3K, would re- 3,000 feet, yeah. uh, would require a considerable amount of fuel, presumably carried on his or her back, then to loiter at 3K for even minutes is stretching it. It it's would crazy. likely require a parachute landing. Have great strides been made in fuel efficiency on these things? Well, possibly. Yeah. It's kind of starting to look that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It, it, you know, basically, and they said in the video, it, it, it appears to show a solitary man sailing through the yep. sky above the water yep. off the California coast. Um, although the figure does look does look like a person in some kind of suit, um, the person, uh, the school of, of the of the, the flight school um, said it wasn't 100 percent certain that the flyer was indeed the mystery intruder. But I mean, if it looks like a duck, flies like a duck, must yep. be a duck. I mean, come on. So, you know, we're going to keep you guys posted on this thing. I, I can't wait to find out what the conclusion is on this and what it is. Or I can't wait for the next Tom Cruise movie to come out. Yeah, whatever. Just I'd be fine either way. I, think, yeah, I, think, I would, yeah. too. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You know, it, I, I would say that it's – I'm going to gamble here, though. You know, uh, let's do this. 
What do you think it is for sure? What, in, in your mind, what do you feel in, in your gut? What do you feel it really is? I don't think the military would be testing something like this in LAX airspace. I really don't. I agree with you, man. And if they were, the first time it was reported, they would speak to air traffic control and shut down conversations around it. Okay? Right. right. My, my thinking is, you know, it's, it's private uh, yeah. for those reasons. Because of the yeah. location, it's happening. You know, you know what I think it is? Honestly, or it's Tom Cruise. I mean, really, no, those are no, no. Honestly, really, my, in my gut, I really think it's Elon. It's okay. Elon Musk. He's moving out of town. He's moving to Texas, and he is getting the hell out of Dodge as quick as he can, man. And okay. that's how he's doing it. Sure, just saying. Could be. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me at this point, right? Elon is going to Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's he, what I thought. He bought a house. Like, how many houses does he well, have? Though? I think he just sold his house in California, put it on the market, which is proof that he's. He's unloading stuff, man. He's going somewhere. So, so there you go. There's there's my little uh, my little stunt. What you got? <laughs> uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's just quickly talk about something that. Um, it, really, I just want to mention this, and then we can move on because it, it definitely okay. falls under a. I hate to say, I told you so. So Mazda just Love announced it. that they're bringing the rotary engine back. You know about this, right? Um, yeah, I, I, in the um, United States, the yes. MX-30 mm-hmm. uh, is confirmed for the U.S. and they're going to have an EV version, a rotary version, and a hybrid version. Which is so great. We talked about this. We told you they weren't done with the rotary. Everybody freaked out when they discontinued the R. What was the la- the RX? The last RX, RX model. RX8. RX8. And and here we go. We said they weren't done with it. They're not. It's back. We haven't talked about the Wankel engine in a long time, man. I yeah. think it's I think it's pretty cool that they're doing that. It's um, you know we we had a we we podcasted. It. I think I even wrote a piece about it on our you did on our website. I actually which, by remember the way, that. Yeah, which by the way, guys, if you want to read that, it's 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 on our website. It's uh, at partscountyguru.com. Um, there's some some articles that both Keith and I have contributed to there. Um, but we thought then, then this is well over a year ago that if they bring this back, it, it's kind of it's a match made in heaven, really, from an EV standpoint, don't you think? It. I'm fascinated by it. I want to yeah, see. I think it's what yeah. they can do with it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's amazing. I mean, it's it's certainly promising. And I, you know, Mazda is one of those those manufacturers, man, that they sleep on you. You know, they use a lot of Ford stuff or you know whatever yeah. and. And, you know, it's kind of hard to tell the two, you know, like he had the B, Mazda B3000 pickup, which was basically the three Ford liter, Ranger. Ford yeah. Ranger. Um, you had the B2000, you had the B4000, and they were all engine displacements, is basically, which is the Ford Ranger 20, 30, and 40. So, um, or was it, was it B2000 or B2300? I think I it was remember. a 2300, but man, I. Yeah, yeah. So, that was, but anyway. That was longer then, than yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're using a lot of the, the Duratec. Um, Technology, Duratorque technology, um, as well as uh, a lot of their um, uh, EcoBoost technology. Now, this is you know the Wankel engine for them. It's a you know it's their baby, man. It's it's yeah. you know they're, it's they're good to see them stay true to who they are. I mean you know, and like you said, there's large gaps. There's periods of time when they kind of go quiet, and then mm-hmm. you wake up one day, zoom zoom. The one, yeah, zoom, zoom. There you go. Oh man, 
you are getting good at this. Um, so, you know, and that's true, man. They just kind of sit around and don't do anything. Yeah. But the thing I don't hear much about Mazda is consumer complaints. I don't really hear that much. Yeah, you know, if, I mean, yeah, it's uh, that it's almost a. Uh, it's almost like a I, I don't want to say airstream but they have a certain brand following maybe like Subaru does you know that there's just people that are just Mazda fans yeah they are um, you know I've got there was a neighbor of mine that owned she owned an RX-8 she bought one of the last ones too but she was always um, an RX fan she loved the yeah. rotary engines and yeah man, they just to hear that yeah. Just to hear that thing come down the street, you know, in the afternoons. If if you've never listened to, you know, a rotary engine, you, you should just do it. Just just to go listen to it, man. It's it's just a good sound. You know, All right, so I love it. I'm gonna ask you a, a question here. I, I'm sure. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, this this digital trail thing that we were gonna talk about. I feel like we could turn this into a podcast. Maybe we save that one. Okay. And uh, that works. and then works you know let's hit um, you know we definitely have to do the clearing snow thing right that's just you yeah know. I, let, let's let's talk about um you want to talk about uh, something that's coming back yeah go for you it know? you can bring it up we'll go, go, go ahead yeah, yeah. yeah. let's it just this won't take let's, me just a second yeah let's hit that um, one. this is kind of a nostalgic story and I know I hope that it captivates some of our you know maybe our our older audience or maybe younger audience and whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, this is a name that you don't hear thrown around that much anymore, but it's it's getting thrown around again. Um, apparently, uh, Packard, um, it's up for sale, isn't it? It's uh, Packard, the legendary American automaker, is uh, it's for sale. Yeah. So, I for those of you that don't know what this car was or what those vehicles looked like, oh, I, I mean, you know, I hate to do this to it, but they. If you think like Al Capone gangster movies, um, mm. that would probably be you, you've seen some of the those vehicles. So, a lot of times they show the convertible. You know, it's got the spare tire mounted on the side, right, with the mm -hmm. like bug eye headlights and and right. Um, they were twenties and thirties, if I'm not mistaken. Jay, is that is that kind of their heyday? Yeah, their heyday. I mean, they they operated, and I mean, I think they um, the last Packard rolled off the line uh, in 1956. I think it was. So it's been a while. Uh, so it's about 64 years ago. Yeah. Um, the last one rolled off the line, and you know, I don't. You know, when you think of like a luxury vehicle, you know, we here in the U.S. we think you know for 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 a U.S. based manufacturer, we think we think Cadillac immediately, right? Right. I think that, you know, these guys, Packard gets, you know, really, truly, they were like the luxury vehicle right. in the U.S. Um, and what's interesting to me, you know, being someone who has worked in the aftermarket on engine sales, like, re, you know, rebuilding engine, you know, components like, you know, valves, guides, you know, cylinder head components or, or even bottom end stuff, um, there are companies within the US and I know one for certain that I worked with for many years at my previous job um, that they are solely dedicated to supplying uh, rebuild uh, components engine components and you know fenders and you know body parts and you name it um, for old packards and it is a viable um, it's just iconic part, part, it, yeah it is it, it's like 
you know, it's, it's like if you look at some catalogs in the aftermarket right now, there are certain vehicles or manufacturers that are still in the catalogs for components to be sold, like still in print in the right. year 2020. Right. You know, model model A's, model B's, model T. You know, there's it's still out there, yep. man. And Packard is also one of those brands that um, people still rebuild a lot of. Um, so, some matter, facts. Matter of fact, go ahead. I was gonna say, matter of fact, our friends at AERA, you go to their their Prosys uh, Prosys Pro um, tool that they have for specifications rebuild. You can see Packard information in there all day long, man. It's crazy. You know. So, yeah, so some details behind this. Um, there's a, a current group of owners mm-hmm. that have put the name as well as a few of the other assets uh, that are tied to that Packard name up for sale. Now, they right. have not been completely quiet while owning that brand name. They did uh, like a V12 concept release right. in the 90s. But, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I, I think this this is similar to what we were talking about with the 40th anniversary DeLorean um, right. just not too long ago. Mm-hmm. They've really got to stay true to that iconic design. If they don't, nobody will care. I mean, that's right. really the draw. Yeah. And the more they can make it um, basically just a modern version of the same vehicle, I think yeah. the better... The, the better it would be, the better it would do and from a sales perspective. I do as well. Um, make it that true luxury. Yep. You know, bring the blood back, man. Make it what it was, um, but equip it with what, the, you know, the great modern, you know, with heated seats. And I mean, all the stuff that, that you want to put in this thing, the tech stuff. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of technology that's that's out there um you know put it in there make it make it the us's rolls royce or you, you know what i mean make it make yep. it that we don't have that where did that go why did well, we lose that why you know you have you know bentley and rolls those are yeah. those are not american brands and no. uh, i think a lot it, of it man. has to do with I, I think you can't you can't compete on price i think you no. have to compete on stature I think that's right. you know that's where the win is, but you know we'll see. Maybe nothing and comes those, of this. Unless, a lot of those, yeah, a lot of those are all custom builds too. Yeah. They are made to order. So this is what I think they have to be if they bring it back as a custom build, like just like the the, the um, Delorean coming back. That needs to be a custom build too. And and you know what is the it's a they fall into the category of um, small um, small runs. Of yeah, so this is the, the same thing that was going on with the DeLorean and right. um, the regulatory stuff is it's, right. it's treated differently than yeah. like Ford or right. General Motors. Yeah, because, because you're not, not it's producing, not a mass, mass right. production, right. And so These are they low have, volume. Yeah, they have different uh, EPA requirements. They have all kinds sure. of different. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Uh, but hey, and I don't have any information on price, but if any of you are interested, I'm sure they would you know, be willing to have a conversation. Well, I'll, I'll say this: you can find this um, this article. There's an article on the drive, and 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 I'm going to check back in um, because the end of the uh, and we'll give we'll give um, what's his name here? Peter Holder Holdreth uh, is the uh, author of this particular story, and he's he wants to know um, what you might want to know um, 
what you might want to see in in, in the new Packard. How how would you want that revived? So uh, go over yeah. there and give him a comment. And you could do the same thing on on our if you want. And we'll we'll communicate to him. We can do that. Um, yeah, leave a comment follow, in the video section on YouTube. Uh, yeah, or. Go to partscountaguru.com and there's a ask us a question and there's a, a the, you have the ability to leave a comment there too. Um, so yeah, do all that stuff. So what what do we want to talk about next? You want to? Do you yeah, have any me, snow? Do you have any snow yet let, this year? Let's let's you do that one. Let's save that one for the. Uh, no, actually, yeah, you had another one you wanted to do at the end. So yeah, grab that and then I'll quickly touch on baseball. Or you want to do that? No, yeah. oh, you do it. It's it's yeah, all you, buddy. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it is snow it is, season. It is snow season, and last year, this this week last year, we got 13 inches of snow. It doesn't look like we're going to be getting that here at where I am at, uh, but we have certainly had the wet weather. Um, but you know, folks up in say Pennsylvania, uh, Buffalo, New York, um, Erie, PA. Uh, New York City, uh, you guys have snowblowers, right? Yeah. Well, well th- yeah. This what about is, Kentucky? Kentucky, man. I mean, honestly, it, yes. Do we have to is, go any further than Kentucky? This is, dude. This is home of the fried chicken king, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and how, you know, and if you want to fry something, man, on a, on a Saturday night, you just just you know, or or maybe perhaps you just want to clear off a driveway that has a lot of snow on it. You just whip out the old snowblower, right? No. You pull the flamethrower out, man. This guy is using a flamethrower. Um, this dude has gone viral. If you haven't seen the video, then you're under a rock. Uh, I think it was on every news station out yeah. there. Um, it was I'm, pretty funny, actually. I'm watching it right now. He's, uh, but this he's guy, in his Cousin Eddie he's in, outfit. He's in yep. his Cousin Eddie outfit, man. Um, the Kentucky man is going viral uh, for his unconventional idea of clearing the snow uh, in his driveway with a flamethrower. Timothy Browning stunned fans after a relative filmed him standing in his driveway wearing nothing but a white bathrobe, socks, slippers, and a hat. <laughs> he just threw the empty beer can out. That right, was awesome. Right, you have to watch the video. Maybe we'll put a link to it in our, you know, so you guys, if you haven't seen it, but you need to watch it. No, I just. But he's want trying one of to recreate uh, Cousin Eddie from the iconic holiday movie National Lampoon's Vacation. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen uh, the National Lampoon's Vacation. Ford Mustang Mach-E um, commercial. They bring back the cast. We talked about that. We shot a little video on it. It's funny. Go to our go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash parts kind of guru. It's, it's out there. I would uh, just watch our video commentary on it. That's what I would do. If it, <laughs> yeah, if it yeah. Me. Go to YouTube so, and find so, it. So yeah, so yeah, Keith already, already uh, hit this. In the nearly 30-second clip, Browning chugs a beer and throws it on the ground as he casually watches the giant flames in front of him melt away. Man, that's awesome. And I, I reposted that on on Facebook after I saw it, and people are just like, where do you go get a flamethrower from? Like oh, the Army this guy's Surplus an engineer. He's, he's built yeah. that. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's there's it's a just, propane tank hiding in his garage or something you oh know? absolutely man but but you know i just you, you go watch the video folks i think it's funny man you know we, we always like to throw these little funny things in man so there yeah. you go flamethrower um, you know, what's, fl- you should, what's that who 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 came out with that song flamethrower man uh I, remember that was it no. paula abdul or somebody like oh, way back in the 90s yeah. you're admitting to listening to paula abdul all right no. moving on so that's our news, man. 
we don't have any more news, and we're going to lead lead right in. Um, Keith, should we just go ahead and? There is no we in in you, Jay. <laughs> this is true. I'm I'm just here. True. How many times do we have to cover this on the show? I push a button. <laughs> right. Just send it up to the internet. Two buttons. Yep. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to get into a discussion with our guest today um, and talk about some of those things that we just talked about with the EV world. So, without further ado, let's go talk to our guest. Okay. And so, here today, uh, as promised, we're bringing in our guest from the uh, RFA or the Renewable Fuels Association. And um, our guest is. Uh, Robert White, uh, he is a vice president of industry relations with the RFA. Um, welcome in, Robert. Thanks for for coming on and and uh, taking the time to uh, have a good conversation today. How are you doing today? Doing great. Happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we uh, like we said earlier, it just we just kind of added a one, and we'll we'll see where it takes us, and uh, just kind of change the number and uh, roll the calendar over, and here we go. So. So this is uh, an interesting subject, um, and I, 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 what I'd like to do is, you know, give our audience a little feel for for what the RFA does. Um, so can we get into some of those particulars? Have you tell us what you do and what the Renewable Fuels Association is all about? Yeah, absolutely. It, it really starts uh, ironically uh, with our 40th anniversary just kicking off. So the RFA was founded in 1981 as a nonprofit trade association for the ethanol industry, the U.S. ethanol industry. And over time, it's really evolved into the ethanol producers and the companies that provide goods and services or really just advocates of ethanol and renewable fuels. But 40 years into it, we are involved in everything from the grinding of the corn at the ethanol production facilities all the way down to the consumer putting that fuel nozzle into their gas tanks. And that includes policy, regulatory actions, that includes consumer marketing, and all parts in between. It's a long uh, supply chain to get it from one end to the other, but uh, we're very confident and very happy of, of what we've been able to accomplish in the last 40 years. Yeah, well, I certainly see the presence at the ga- gas pump. Uh, most every uh, gas pump will have, have the little square yellow sticker that, that states the you know what's, what's in the fuel there. So... Um, and again, that's, that's, that's why I want to introduce you and kind of educate people on, on, you know, not only the, the fuel market, but I, I think what, what, what's very interesting to me is the impact that you guys are having right now with the COVID vaccination, uh, that's being distributed. Tell us a little bit about, uh, how the ethanol, uh, manufacturing process has, has impacted that process. Well, it's, it's a great and unique story and, and I'm honored to tell it because, a lot of times, whatever the feedstock the ethanol is being produced from, a lot of uh, folks assume that once it goes in the front door of that production facility, that all you get out the back end is ethanol. And that's really far from the truth. And some would argue that ethanol is a byproduct or a co-product of other uh, ingredients and outcomes of that production process. But when I started 20 years ago, we really had three products. We had the ethanol, we had a livestock feed. Uh, the ethanol process only uses the starch from the kernel of corn. The rest still comes out and it's used for livestock feed predominantly. Anything from cows to pigs to chickens, you name it. Any any livestock that we are uh, 
consuming for food or or uh, from their production. But then on the other side, you have CO2. And a lot of the CO2 we know as carbonation for beverages. And that's really where our expertise end or our thought process. But in reality, what has come about with CO2 uh, as of late is the compression of that CO2 to make dry ice. And with the vaccines for the COVID-19 virus needing a very low uh, temperature for transportation and storage, the need for dry ice is actually higher than it's ever been. And right now the ethanol industry produces 40% of the country's uh, CO2. So playing a very important role in that uh, distribution process and and just one of the other things that we've been able to get involved in. Now, it, it, I'm sorry, Keith, let me ask one more question to add on to that. I'll, so, I'll sit on my hands. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, not only uh, is, is that a global process? I mean, I know we're not the only ones in, in the world producing ethanol, but is it, are you guys, do we distribute or export any of that, you know, to other countries or are most, are most people, you know, doing that themselves how, how does that is that impacting our economy at all it definitely is and in fact uh, brazil was really the global leader in ethanol for a number of years they had a uh, convenience of a military dictatorship and the, and the leader said we're going to use more ethanol and it happened it took us a little more process to get to where we are today but ultimately we did overtake brazil and we are the number one producer of ethanol on the planet and we export all around the globe uh, to Asia, United Arab Emirates of all countries uh, import some of our ethanol. Uh, it is usually somewhere around 10% of our production this year as like the United States driving miles are down. And so fuel usage is down. So that is varied uh, with the COVID-19 virus. But ultimately, uh, we are a global provider and that helps support those jobs and that economic impact back here in the U.S. All right. All right. So, <laughs> Keith? Man, I and Robert, this is not anything new to you. And for those of you that are that are tuning into this, we had a conversation with Robert weeks back, maybe a month back. And I I think for me, I, I am fascinated by learning things. And and Robert probably knows very well that it can kind of be dangerous to have somebody that's partially informed <laughs> but thinks that they know more than they do. And and I know just enough to know I know really almost nothing. Um so, so this is fascinating to me because I've got like I, I, I've got a captive audience here. I can sit here and ask you all kinds of questions and pretend that they're just for our audience when really it's to educate me. Um, <laughs> let, let's take a step back. So, I, you know, I, I know how ethanol is made, but this comes from, I mean, how, it basic, the basics, Robert, it, it comes from what? It's the fermentation of sugar. That's all it is. I mean, anything that ferment we can make ethanol out of there are several other uh, obvious feedstocks i think at one point there was yeah. over 300 possible uh feedstock options to make ethanol we predominantly use corn here in the united states just because it is a plentiful and, and readily available resource that we've got very well at transporting all over the country and growing in many parts of the country um, but it's really the the process of breaking that kernel of corn down exposing that starch using enzymes to turn that starch into a sugar and back to the original uh, alcohol production since man invented fire turning that sugar into alcohol and and see that's a that's a process near and dear to my heart see so I live in Tennessee we love our we love our whiskey right so so oh, now yeah. you're now you're speaking my language uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean allegedly so um, 
I had a conversation with one of your coworkers. Now, I, I think I'm gonna I'm fishing here a little bit, but you know where I'm gonna go with this, uh, or you will pretty pretty shortly here. And there are uh, people that say things. I have been guilty of saying things uh, like, uh, you know, I have some small engine equipment, weed eaters, uh, weed uh, leaf blowers, that you know that kind of stuff, uh, dirt bikes, so on, right? Gasoline. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and, and people tend to say, ah, well, you put ethanol in those and you're going to trash it. And, and I've probably been guilty of either thinking that or saying it. And someone in, in, in your organization mentioned to me, hey, there's, there's a lot of change that's going on in that actual fuel that's not on the ethanol side. And are you factoring that in? And so here's, here's where I'm going with that is, is that... Is that something you have to deal with a lot? Like, so um, do you have to change what you're doing uh, on a regular basis to fit the changes in the fuel systems? And how often is that an, an issue? Well, that's a very loaded question, but let me work through that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. The, Welcome the, to the my world. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yes. <laughs> the, the, in result, going back to the small engines, so I, they, they are the most vocal fuel users on the planet. You got the small engines, the motorcycles, and the boats. Those are really the three most vocal uh, engine segments out there, fuel using segments out there, and they use less than 3% of the fuel. So I get a lot of uh, flack on my end of how much time am I going to devote for less than 3% of the fuel market. The difference, in my opinion, and, and how I tell our members is that all of those fuel users also have cars and trucks and SUVs and, and other engines at home. We have, to, we're not just gaining a user in their lawnmower, we're gaining their 36 gallon SUV sitting in the driveway. So this is an important one. And, and like I said, the most vocal, but going back to the small engines, this is something that it seems to be very untold and wisely untold. Because if you tell the story of the evolution of fuel especially over the last 10 to 15 years, then guess what? You have another scapegoat and that would replace or potentially be an option to ethanol. Just last week on Facebook, there was someone that actually did their routine maintenance at the end of last year. They drained all the fuel from their snowblower, went out this year and it would not start with fresh fuel. They took it to the uh, shade tree mechanic and the mechanic blamed ethanol. Well, either there was fuel in it or there wasn't, right? I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, everything is, has been blamed on ethanol. And I, re- I recall one story. Uh, I had a power washer that was three years old, had been used three times, and it wouldn't start. And I thought, well, here I go. I'm going to be uh, you know, listed as one of those guys. And so I took it to a local mechanic that I'd never met, had to find online. He fixed it while I was traveling, came back in, and I cold asked him what the problem was, expecting to hear something about ethanol. And he actually told me it was crappy engineering. And I said, can you please explain? (laughs) I just replaced a $7 carburetor. How much technology and engineering do you really think is in that piece of equipment? And so I brought up ethanol who I worked for and he said, you can use whatever you want into into it. Three years, you'll be back for another one. Right. And it's one of those things that I think we put a lot, you know, and now, now these companies are, are, are distributing or an offering for sale you know, the stabilized fuel at $28 a gallon that you see on the shops of the 
the Home Depots and the Lowe's of the world to save a $7 carburetor. And it's just, you know, for me, a little mind boggling. If you break out the owner's manuals in any of these engines, including all the way up to the cars and trucks and SUVs, they are very plain. There is maintenance that's involved. If you are using something sparingly and you're not going to use that fuel in 30 to 60 days, they all say to drain it or stabilize it. And it doesn't matter if there's any ethanol in it or not because the volatility of the fuel has changed, the octane levels of the fuel has changed, and I think it's very important. And I'll leave one uh, for the folks that might wonder if I'm just pulling your leg. If you remember when ethanol or 10% ethanol, E10 as it's commonly known, was introduced in the marketplace, it was 89 octane everywhere. And now you have 87 octane, you have 89 octane, you have all these various octane levels. Well, the ethanol is still 10%, nothing changed there. What did change is the formulation of the, of the gasoline where the refinery saw there was more money to be made by making a sub-octane somewhere in the 83 to 84 octane level, ship it up the pop pipeline, dump 10% ethanol on it and get it back to 87 much cheaper than they can with the octane options they have at the refineries. And so these formulation changes have really come about at the refinery gate, not really at the blending gate where we, right, we do that right before we deliver to retail. Right. And those blends, yeah. those blends vary from state to state even. And that's the thing, you know, from season to season, all of those things factor into that. This so, is, I mean, th- th- what you just laid out there really is, and, and like I said, you know, I know just enough to be dangerous. Uh, there's there's a gold mine in there of little things that are often overlooked. And Jay and I have lived this. I, I suspect we're probably in good company here, Robert. I, I hate throwing things away. And if I have a damaged engine or, and honestly, a lot of the time when the carb's dirty, it's my fault. You know, I did something I shouldn't have, or I didn't drain it, or I got, you know, got it muddy or whatever. Um, and I just hate throwing those things away, but you are absolutely right. Um, you, you almost can't find repair parts for a lot of those like flapper valves and paper filters and, 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 and. Yeah, I mean, it's it, no matter what you... So basically, my takeaway from this is I can just pour Jack Daniels in my weed blower and I'll be fine, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. It'll I'm run. Kidding. If, if you can get it started, maybe. Okay. That, that's your key is that, that flashpoint. <laughs> that that's it. Oh, I mean, think about the changes in gasoline in our lifetimes. Uh, we, we started with leaded fuel. Right. Yep. Right? And, sudden, and so you've got anything that was built before... Uh, the early 80s was built for a fuel that doesn't even is not even sold now. So, as we look through the, we've some of these are more public, I guess, is the point, and than others. But uh, fuel evolution is continual. The 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 body that sets these standards, uh, ASTM, as you've seen, they help with requirements on anything from your kitchen stove to the fuel measurement and and recording. And ultimately, what they're trying to do is roll with the evolution. And, and they help set some of that as well. But the engine manufacturers, they build their equipment based on those standards and practices. And, and we do, too. Yeah. That's, uh, and th- that kind of leads into some of the other questions that we have for you. Um, you know, Keith and I both, we worked together many years ago. Uh, so we're, we're very familiar with valve train components. And, you know, you spoke of the, the leaded, leaded fuel, then going to unleaded. There were 
viable repair companies providing product to the automotive repair industry, engine rebuilding industry, to combat those problems. Valve seat inserts, um, you know, whereas the you know the cylinder heads, the old cast iron heads, were just you know cast in ductile iron. And they just, you know, with leaded fuel, that was fine. But as we got into unleaded fuel and then, you know, lack of lubricity, those sorts of things, they had a hardenable, um, you know, alloys that were developed like high chromium and those sorts of things to to combat those wear issues. Um, and then now it's common. It's norm. This is these are, you know, these are things that you see at the OEM level. And I've seen the evolution of the internal components change uh, to work with the fuel. So in in that regard um i guess my question is is how closely are you guys working with the oems say ford chrysler gm um to give them the data that they need to say hey you know this this type of alloy on an intake valve or an exhaust valve is going to be perfectly okay or actually you know the more common issue that we have seen um, early on was probably more with the rubber products. And that's where, you know, you had higher grade Vitons and those sorts of things. So how closely do you guys work with the OEMs? Fairly closely. I, I would say that most of that type of work was, was on the fuel side more than the component side. And a lot of it included a lot of third-party labs like the national laboratories, like NREL and Oak Ridge down in, in Tennessee. And ultimately what we were doing was partnering to see not only uh, what worked best in the uh, traditional setting, but what would work best in future settings, what would work best that as more ethanol entered the marketplace and you perhaps weren't switching back and forth from, you know, traditional gasoline to E10 or, or now to E15 or flex fuel vehicles, having that ability to go from straight gasoline to 85% ethanol and back on the very next tank. So that, that work was uh, very important because the last thing we want to do is put something on the marketplace that doesn't work. Because if you're already being used as a predominant scapegoat, it's not going to help if you actually are causing some of the problems. And so that that uh, engineering, not only on the automotive side, but we, we saw it slowly but surely work its way through the, as we talked about, the small engines and the motorcycles, uh, basically everything that was using fuel. You've seen the carbureted moving to fuel injected and the computers having the ability to adjust that air fuel ratio as you have more oxygen in the fuel from the ethanol. So all of those uh, have been important developments over the years. And and I, I really think the best is yet to, be, yet to come. And the one thing we haven't talked about yet and why the automotive industry and, and others remain very interested is because of that octane level of ethanol. You know, as it leaves the ethanol production facility, it's 113 octane and that will I will repeat that ethanol is 113 octane because most people have some other uh, notion in their head. The only only thing that brings down the ethanol's octane is the gasoline that it's blended with. And as you see fuel economy standards increase, as you see emissions standards uh, continue to tighten, if you can get more octane uh, and make that engine even more efficient with that higher octane, then you can lower emissions at the same time. And that's I think that's where we're going to start trending. And is the the octane number you still using the RON and the MON numbers, the AKI that we see at the pumps, yep. and that's how you do it? Um, is is the blend the blend factor because it's a different? Isn't it a different rate? Isn't it rated differently? Can can you educate me on that? Um, I don't want to get too detailed well, about it, but yeah, there there is a RON and a MON. Uh, obviously, in the in the U.S., we're 
we're more on the uh, motor octane uh, than we are the the other. Uh, but if you are comparing it, you know, if you it, it's one of those you can do in a simple spreadsheet or the back of the bar napkin. If you're starting with 113 octane and you've got 10 percent ethanol, you're bringing 11.3 octane. Uh, you know, of, of that 113 with you and then 90% of the gasoline. Uh, it's fairly simple and straight linear math. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, as we've seen E85 kind of creep into the performance world and these uh, racers are using, you know, 10 to $14 race fuel and the other guys using $2 E85 and it's somewhere around 100 octane. There's some interesting conversations that take place and, and those have been fun to to watch and in the racing community is it nascar is like the biggest the biggest organization using that correct yeah nascar uses 15 percent ethanol uh indycar series uses e85 uh, american le mans has a couple different blend options and you're starting to see it trickle through the off-road racing the side-by-sides utvs and really what was fun was as E85 started to work its way across the country, most of those rules and sanctioning bodies simply had, as long as you're using pump gas, you're fine. And so these guys started bringing in E85 because they were getting it out of the corner station pump. And it led to some rule changes, but ultimately it, it has started to shake itself out. And every year we see more and more people looking to E85 as not only a low cost, but a high octane option. Wow. Man, I can tell you that for me, and let me throw a Southerner's um, uh, analogy to this subject. This is like getting that big, that last fried chicken breast off grandma's plate <laughs> and sitting there picking the meat off the bone, trying to get as much off of it as you can, yeah. because this subject is so full of that. There are so many things that, that we could, we could uh, go into here, but well, there's just not enough time. Well, I, that's that was our objective, right? Is to we saw. I, I was again. I was just fascinated by our off off camera conversation that we had with Robert a while back, and we just said, "Hey, this is we could go on for days, weeks, months, um, but you got to start somewhere." And so I, I I think this is a good door opener for all of us, and 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 hopefully our audience has kind of taken interest here because. I'm left with a whole bunch more questions, and I can't wait to kind of dig into those again. Yeah. Um, we, go yeah, ahead, Jay. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, because there, there, we could potentially lead into having you know further discussions, and you know maybe we pick a detail apart and and uh, have that conversation. I do have one other thing um, that I that, that I did want to ask today that was on my list of things to ask you, which was the cost of of I mean, what what is is there any significant cost um, uh, benefit uh, for the common consumer uh, from using a blended fuel versus what wasn't a blended fuel? Absolutely. And, and right now is a good, good demonstration of that. The difference between gasoline and ethanol in the open market is not that much right now. But it, it, and ethanol is at a discount to gasoline today. What's important, however, is back to that octane conversation. Remember, the refiners were able to reduce their cost of that gallon of gasoline because they didn't have to put that extra octane in at the end of the refining process, replaced it with a cheaper product, saved the money at the refining gate, and guess what? It saved us all money. Now, if you need any more straightforward comparison, look at the ethanol-free options that are out there in the marketplace today. I did a quick look. We have a, one of our websites track some of that. 
and uh, the average differential between E0 or ethanol free and uh, E85 was almost 50%. Wow. And it's, it's one of those things that if, if you're looking at $2 gas, where I am in, in the central part of the country, our ethanol free is about 250. So it, it, it really does come back to saving, uh, saving consumers money, especially with that octane replacement. Now I can tell you over say a 20 year history, ethanol is nine times out of 10 uh, less in cost than gasoline. And, and that's, you know, we expect that to continue. That's great. Great for the future, for sure. Um, wow, gosh, man, I just... I know. This is so, I know, like I said, it's... going it's, well, save it's, it for later. It's, that, for later. it's yeah. that chicken breast, man. It's that fried yeah. chicken breast at grandma's on Sunday. You Did know, you so. come up with that before just now no. or should i be impressed that you you just did that on the fly you should be impressed you should always be <laughs> impressed keith with me well as a, as a southerner uh let me leave you i used to say this thing when i was much younger that if you needed to have two references for ethanol the first was i learned everything i needed to know about production from granny clampett on the beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah because she yeah. had her skill and it's the same process right and then when he got into logistics and transportation it was a dukes of hazard Ah. I mean, so you, yeah, yeah, that's the ethanol industry, and 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 an old look. I love it. Way. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's always revolving around automobiles and and that sort of thing. See, so there you go. That's right there, you go. Keith, you have anything else today? Do we, Man, we, do we? I'm. Oh, well, there's always more, but oh, yeah. uh, in the interest of time, uh, why don't you go ahead with some social media stuff? and then Yeah. We'll... Hey, guys, uh, to catch a video segment of this, uh, you can go on over to YouTube.com forward slash Parts Counter Gurus. While you're there, please give us a thumbs up, like us, and subscribe, because that subscription is free to you and priceless to us. Check us out over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash parts counter gurus. You can check us out on instagram.com forward slash the parts counter gurus. You can also check us out over on, what is that, Twitter? Yeah, twitter.com forward slash at the counter show. It's not a forward slash in there, though, is it? Uh, you, I think they'll get I don't, it. Yeah, yeah. It's anyway, yeah, the, we are the counter show, and that's what you are listening to. Please, in any instance that you are there, Give us a like, thumbs up, share, tell a friend, and subscribe to whatever you can. Um, check us out at on our website at parscountaguru.com where you can find links to this podcast and anything that we might mention on the podcast that you may purchase. You can do that as well. Uh, you can check up the upper right-hand corner for an Amazon icon. Uh, we are an Amazon associate. Uh, so if you click there and shop, we get a little love. We don't know what you're buying. You know, you could be buying you know fuel gas, stabilizer fuel stabilizer or something yeah or or a new small <laughs> engine um that just sat there and didn't get the air filter changed or something you know who knows but uh, anyway we we have no idea what you're uh, what you're buying but uh we would appreciate you doing that because that will help us out and keeps us on the air man thank you so much for being on the show today robert we can't uh thank you enough and we look forward to maybe uh furthering this conversation um and uh getting getting some more details out of you and uh educating our audience and ourselves so thank you very much for that we really appreciate it for having me anytime yeah keith you want to close us out today my friend all right everybody i I can all i can think about is at well here i'll leave you with this so so robert (laughs) thanks again for joining us and hanging with us for a little bit i i now have more questions which is great i appreciate thank you meet on the bone hard times yeah 
Uh, so for my podcast partner, Jay over there and Robert, I'm Keith. Uh, everybody go stabilize the fuel in those small engines. I'm I literally, my ADD <laughs> is kicking in here. I got to go. I got to go stabilize my fuel.